We have a tradition. We come, we stand, we sing, we do our thing. Not today. Here's the thing. Our, our worship is vital to what we do. And what I found out is a lot of times we have so many traditions of the things that we do as followers of Christ that we become mechanical robots. We stand, we sing, we do our thing, we repeat the words. Everybody gets up, they, they have their spot on the stage. And I'll tell you, I, I came across a passage and I started reading and I started studying and I thought, wow, our praise is so important to what we do. And I'm not saying last Sunday night I got up and I preached on the power of God's word and I believe in the power of God's word. But I promise you, God has given us praise and worship for a reason. It is vital. It is important. And if we dare get to the place in our lives where we start going through the motions of it and it is not coming from our heart, we need to stop, get back to the book, check in with God of how it's supposed to be, and then get back to it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And I'm going to ask you, as you're sitting in your nice, comfortable metal chairs, <laughs> to turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20. I thought it was so funny. Normally, the center section, everybody dashes for them because that used to be our padded section. And uh, now everybody is shooting for the uh, wooden seats on the side. It's like, give me the wood. It's a lot better than the metal. Next week, every person sitting where you're sitting right now will be sitting on five inches of foam. Can I get an amen right there? I know, I know how to get Baptists excited. That's right. And we, we're going to have a lot of exciting things transitioning. Next Sunday morning is our Easter. This coming Wednesday night's our, our cleanup day. Our, our ladies are getting ready to go to the Dominican Republic. They are taking 10 ladies from our church, flying to the Dominican Republic, landing and going into ministries that help take women out of trafficking and help them to learn God's love for them. And I can't wait. And say, what can I do to help? All of these tables in the lobby right now, those are ladies that are working hard to get the money to go to those ministries. The silent auction, the, the Easter candy and all that, and you're coming in saying what this is all about. All that money, I tell you, it is, it is one thing to know what God says, but the Bible says to be a doer of the word. And the Bible says go into all the world and give the gospel to every creature. And that's what we're doing. I know that's just a side note, but I tell you, all of this has to do with why we're here. There's a reason that we're here this morning. I fear that our, 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 our praise has become routine. We sing out of tradition. It's what we do to, when we go to church. And I'll, I'll walk in and I'll say, let's stand to our, our feet. Our Pastor Tyler will come say, stand to your feet. We're going to worship God together. And we stand up. And here's one of two things that happen. We sing a song that we know. And everybody could sing through the entire song and never, ever let the words go from their lips to their heart. Some of these songs we know so well that we will sing about Calvary, the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the Son of God. And we're like this through the whole thing. And we're just mumbling through the entire thing. And then we turn around and say, he is worthy of our praise. And God looks down at us and says, then I don't see that coming out of the, out of the house of God. And then there's other times that we sing a new song. Sing about God's amazing love and God's grace and all this. And then we don't sing that time because we stand up and say, I don't know the words to this song. 
And we sit there and God's saying, why do you do what you do? Worshiping God and praising God was never man's idea. It wasn't a tradition passed down by man. It wasn't something we created. It was created by God and it was created for a purpose. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 1. We're going to assemble an army this morning. An army of worshipers. And you say, wow, that's, that's a neat little illustration. No, I'm going to show you from God's word through studying God's word this morning that the idea that we're talking about of, of pushing back the enemy and seeing God sweep in to do something big is through our worship is not something that I just had an illustration but came straight from God's word. You guys pray for me. Not just because I'm preaching but because I've got to read a whole lot of big words that I'm afraid of this morning. So now you guys are going to be following along just to see how bad I mess up. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with the others besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. We study about a lot of bad kings in the Bible. This is not one of them. I want you to know that the guy that we're about to read about right now is a man of God. That loves God and wanted victory for the people. And now he is facing massive, huge opposition. Verse 2. Then there came out that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the other, uh, this side of Syria. And behold, they be as Azanantamar, which is in Egad. The opposition is increasing against God's people. The enemies are declaring war. They are advancing. They're coming in and all these people run into the king and they know he's a man of God and they know that he follows God and they know that God's done all these wonderful things. And the, the background for this, when they came into the promised land, there were certain areas of people that were not for them and God said, uh, leave them there, leave them there, leave them there. And the children of Israel were like, okay, God, I, I mean, I know you're in control, but why don't we just wipe them out? And that way we don't have to worry about them coming in. And God said, I, I have a reason for that. And God left them there. And these are the people that are coming in. What do we do when we're facing opposition? What do we do as believers when things are not going our way? And let me tell you that the, the, the parallel to this is very applicable to our lives. The closer we come to the Lord's return... The harder Satan is fighting and he keeps increasing his army against us. Spiritual warfare and it is as real as you can get. We see it all around us. Every time we witness a teenager that turns from God, grows up in church and ends up living that life or getting into drugs or, 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 or ends up turning their heart against God and their parents, that is spiritual warfare. Every time a college student gets to the point where they have no desire to return to church or have anything to do with God, that is spiritual warfare. Every time a dad becomes apathetic and he goes through the motion of going to church, but there's nothing in his heart to worship God or to follow God or to read his Bible or lead his family in reading the Bible, something is wrong. Every time Christians lose the reality of hell, when they know those that we love are going there without Christ. It's spiritual warfare. 
We see those that know God. And slowly they are falling away from God. And there's nothing going on in their hearts to draw them closer to God. And the sad thing is now we witness the next generation doing the same thing. There is no love for God. There is no passion for souls. There is no heart to get involved. There's no sacrificial giving. There's no wanting to get behind the things of God and do it with all your might. It's just a matter of show up, do your thing, walk out. There is no passion, conviction. There's no tears. There's no fasting. There's no prayer. It is just do my duty as a Christian and let me go home. God's not in it. And the result of this kind of spiritual warfare when the enemy is coming in and we begin to squirm and there's nothing going on in our hearts, we begin to lose the battle and Satan is picking off our armies one by one. Churches are getting smaller. More people are getting out of church. More addictions are creeping in. More people are throwing up their hands. More people are ceasing to pray and seek the face of God. We live defeated. This battle is real. It's outright war. We know this and we see this. But how often do we just give up? This is what Jehoshaphat did. Keep in mind we are talking about praising God. And you're going to get into this first part and say this has nothing to do with praising God. Let me get to that part. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Guys, you would too if you had this much opposition coming in. And you knew that they were coming just to wipe out the people of God. And he set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask of help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Yes, we are in a battle and Satan's coming in. And he's after the ones that we are inviting next Sunday. Next Sunday, I pray that God blows the door out of this church that we have people coming in, that people are being saved, but it will not happen because we have a banner on the church or we have flyers in our pockets. It's not the reason that we have success on Easter. God does all this. Let me walk you through this. Number one, God directs our attention on him through our praise. He recognizes this problem to be bigger than he could handle. And he set himself, and you read over and over again, the Bible says that he sought after God. He crawled before the people and said, hey guys, there's an army, there's a devil, there's a world. They're after our kids, they're after our families. Hey guys, they're advancing, they're on the other side of the hill, they're coming our way. This is big, it's serious, they're coming. You know what they did? And all the people, and he went before them and he said, you know what we do right now? We don't go home and get our guns. We don't go home and sharpen our knives. It's not that we rally everybody together. He said we stop right now and we seek the face of God. He begins this proclamation of God's word and God's power. And there is no worship leaders. They are not singing at this point. It's not emotional experience. Listen to his passion. Listen to what his heart, what his confidence is in verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, listen to this prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And thou rulest over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand there is not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God 
who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people of Israel and gavest it to the seed of the Abraham, thy friend forever? How powerful is this? Before the words ever left his lips of praising God, worshiping God, he's standing in all of God saying, God, you are powerful. God, you are in control. God, you've done it before. God, you'll do it again. There was something burning in his heart. There was a stirring in his soul. And he began in all the people, rather than fighting and complaining and bickering and everything else, all the people began to look up and say, that's who we need. That's the power that we need. He said, Lord, all the power is in your hand. You are God. Do we understand what praise is? Because I, 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 want, I want to make this very simple. Here it is, and I look in the face, and if I was to ask you how many people here today would voluntarily and say, God is in control, all the hands would go up. God is great, all the hands would go up. God is powerful, God is love, God is this, God is that. God is salvation. Is God still in the grave? And all God's people would say, no, we serve a risen Savior. But you know what praise is? When that knowledge gets from our hearts to our lips. And so often Christians that are the light of this world and the people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and that have been saved, that have been pulled out, that have been changed and anointed and given the the Spirit of God inside their hearts and all the blessings that we have, we walk around and all that knowledge never leaves our heart, it never leaves our lips, and God is not glorified because we keep it to ourselves. You think there's a reason? When we walk in this room and we start talking and sing about how great is our God or our God saves or Jesus saves or our God is risen and all these things. Next week, if we come in here and we start talking and singing about our risen Savior that's in the world today, because he lives, I can face tomorrow and we're standing there like a bunch of statues mumbling the words about a risen Savior. And then they're going to turn around and go, wow, this is this is awesome. Says I get more excitement out of this than an OSU basketball game. I've seen more excitement in my living room watching a pro game. I've seen more excitement of my kids talking about going to a concert than these Christians do of talking about being saved by the blood of the Lamb. Just because we have the knowledge doesn't mean our God is being praised. And I'm speaking to all of us. The power that we're about to see being unfolded is because these people, one by one, began to get their eyes looking up. You want true worship in this church? You want praise in your family? You want praise in the pew? You want to see God work in this church? We've got to get our eyes on the one that has done it all for us. Get our eyes off ourselves. Get our eyes off. We come in consumed with our problems. And that guy stood up and said, yes, we have problems. We have opposition. But our God is amazing. He is real and he is powerful. Things begin to happen and change. In verse 8, and they dwelt therein and had built the sanctuary there in thy name, saying, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we speak. We stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. Let me ask you, we have this as our sanctuary. We gather here together. How is the name of God in this place? 
when God's people stand up and start singing about Jesus, Son of God, and, and how great is our God, and thou art worthy in the things that come out of our lips, that it needs to be proclaimed through us that our God is real. And cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. Lord, we built this place for you. Lord, it's all about you. We declare your name. We stand in your presence. We want you here with us, Lord. We welcome the Spirit of God to be with us, Lord. Our attention, our eyes are fixed on you. Let me tell you, in the the world that we live in, and I could go around right now to every one of you and ask you what your problem, what opposition is coming in. And I know it's not Syria, and I know it's not coming in over a mountain. It's a different form. But let me tell you, if you're here today and you have a lost child that you're praying for, it's the same thing. You're sitting here saying, I am consumed with problems with my marriage, or I'm about to fall apart in my finances, or I'm, I'm going through a hard time with my job. Opposition is upon us. What are you doing with it? We sit there and we squirm and we complain, but our eyes, they don't, we don't cease to look upon ourselves and start looking to God, nothing will change. Until God's people learn to look up and seek the face of God, the one that has the power, I tell you, I know this is very cliche, I know this is, this is what we say, but when our hearts are truly fixed on God, things begin to change in the church. I'm not saying the words or a message, or an outline. I'm saying when God is above our money, and our entertainment, and our social status, and our ambition, and our goals, and what we want, and God is number one, things begin to change. Then when we come to the service, rather than hanging in the halls, we come in to worship our God. We have something in our hearts rather than checking our phones as we're singing off to the side, or rather than sit there gabbing about where we're going to eat. We sit there and we get so caught up in life, and we get so caught up in what we're doing, and we're so caught up in what I want and what we're doing, that we come in here and set this time aside to say we're going to worship the one true God, and all of a sudden we're more consumed with us than we are consumed with Him. We wonder why the enemy is advancing and he's winning. Seek the face of God. I want to, we're going to get into the next point, but let me show you in verse 12, the second part. Neither know we know what to do. Have you ever been there before? I just, I just don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Because I don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat, man of God, leader of God, all these things. He said, guys, I'm going to be honest. I know you're turning to me to win this war, but I don't know what to do. I don't know. But this one thing that we're going to do, we're going to cry out to God and we're going to seek the face of God. Watch what happens here. This is good. Here they are. They all begin to look up. The conversation moved from their problems to about God. In verse 13, and all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Now guys, when, when God shows up, you, you can't. Fake this, okay? This this isn't something that was orchestrated or planned out. The Spirit of God begins to move upon these people and things begin to happen. True worship and true praise is not done because it's on a schedule. It's because God shows up in the midst of the people. And I promise you, you get a little taste of it, you won't want the fake stuff ever again. 
You can't manipulate it. You can't create it. You can't get it because you've got a, a, a hip this or a fancy that. The Bible says that Judas stood up before the Lord and all the little ones and their wives and their children. I, I, th- I think this would be the coolest sight ever. It's one thing for the men to stand up, but the children and their wives and the grandparents, everybody begin to be stirred in their heart. And the whole congregation at this time begin to stand up being moved by the Spirit of God. Notice what happens. This guy named Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the, the son of Jael, the son of Mantaniah. Those are all cool names. And don't come to me and say you did them wrong. I'm trying here. A Levite of the son of Asa came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Now, now I'm going to show you guys something that's about to happen. And I'm hoping you're getting this. They have problems coming this way. The children of God are over here. They begin to look, and all of a sudden their attention went from looking there to looking here. And God stepped in at that point and said, that's what I was waiting on. Do you know what the invitation is for God to worship with his people when we get our eyes on him and off of us? But a lot of times we won't sing anything out of our lips unless I like the song or da, 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 and all this and other guys. And God said, it's about me. We come in so consumed with the argument that we had with our wife and the fact that the kids could not find their shoes. You're pulling into the church and some guy's been following you for the last five miles honking his horn and doing all this stuff. And then you get to the church and he pulls in with you. Have you ever had that happen? You're waving at him, he's waving at you, you're honking, and then you both fall in and you get out with your Bibles, you know, just like. <laughs> Satan is coming after, but I promise the whole spirit begins to change. There will never be true worship next Sunday or tonight or any other time that we meet if we cannot learn to get our eyes and our hearts and our prayers and our fasting on our God. There was a sweet spirit that developed. The people stood up. They begin to raise their hands. Tears begin to come down their faces. The Bible and the rest of that, we, we didn't get in all this. The, 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 all these things begin to happen. Here's the second point. This is the reason why God delights to be in the presence of our praise. God delights to be in the presence of our pa- praise. I want to be in services just like this. I want to be around Christians. That desire this. You can imagine the tears in their eyes. These people are praying. They begin to testify of God's goodness. You can read it. They start talking about Abraham and the things that God has done. And and in his prayer, he began to announce and say, hey, listen, hasn't God always done this? He's in the power of God in his hands. You can imagine if this guy's getting up and he's moving, then others begin to do. It wasn't just him. And the Spirit of God begins to work, and they begin to get stirred up in their hearts. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God steps in the midst of the congregation. God shows up. The power of God moves upon them. I don't know what this looked like. Guys, do not get on TBN or any other network and go, well, that's how it's done. It's not done by copying people. It's not done by trying to mimic something. It's done by focusing on God. I don't know what it looked like, but I guarantee they didn't have to question whether God was there or not. These people had a heart to worship. Now, we're going to keep reading. 
This is expository. We're just going through this passage, and I want you to see what happens as they focus on God. But in the Bible, there's this verse that says in Psalms 22, verse 3, the Bible says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Do you, do you know what that verse means? This is, this is so cool. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I'm going to show you guys something. That word inhabitest right there means to sit down by implication to dwell or remain. God was saying this. He said, you know what? I'm glad that you guys came to worship me and to be in my presence and to worship the holy name of God and all this. But this is what God says. When I step in and I hear the worship of my name, a name that is above all names, a name that at every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When I hear that name coming out of the lips of my people, God said, this is what I do. Sorry, guys, let me start. God says, I come in and I say, I want right here in the middle of all this. It is, and you say, you're just making that, that's a cool illustration. That's exactly what God said. God said, I desire, I want, I want to dwell, I want to be right in the middle of God's people praising. But we have services where nobody will come to the altar, no tear will be shed, no person will move, no conviction will fall, nobody will be moved of the Spirit of God, no man gets his heart right, no teenager cries out to God and you say, why? Because God's not there, we were the only ones that showed up. I don't want to have services where it's just me and my ugly voice trying to cry out to God. Say, you're being hard on yourself. I'll tell you, if it's not coming from my heart, then it's just words and noise. You can have all the fancy musicians. You can have a a, a nice choir. You can stand up and do it and and look good. But if it's not coming from our hearts, then it is not praise. I've got to move. There's a story, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing. We talk about when God shows up. God inhabits our praise. God delights to be in the middle of our praise. There's this cool passage in the Bible. Paul and Silas are serving God. They get arrested. They get thrown into the prison. They were serving God. They were doing all the things that God did. And at midnight, after they were filled with the stripes, you guys know what that means? They were beat. And then latched in stocks. In the darkest part of the prison, the Bible says they began to praise and sing to God. And you know what God did? God showed up in that prison. God walked smack into the middle of that prison. And you know how they knew that God was there? The Bible says that the whole place began to shake. God showed up. It was the devil that threw them in, but it was God that got them out. It's amazing what happens in a place when God shows up and when our praise is focused on him and we're singing our, our, from our hearts to God, God shows up before the message ever is preached and God says, I'm going to do something in this place today. Amen. That's what I want to see in our church. They were praising God. I've got to get back to our story. This is, I'm running out of time. Verse 15, and he said, hearken ye, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and now King Jehoshaphat this is that prophet that man of God that stepped up stepped up thus saith the Lord unto you be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's I'm telling you right now there are people on my heart right now that I am praying for next service 
9 o'clock and 11 o'clock next week, I'm praying that God saves their hearts. And I know that you guys are praying for people right now. Let's just see. You know somebody that's coming that needs God. Raise your hand right now. It is spiritual warfare that we're doing. And when we sit there and we pray and we seek God and we put our attention on God and we say, God, this day is all about you. It's not about me. God, we look to you. We fast. We pray. We sit back. And then God says, all right, guys, this is how it's going to work. You can't fight this war. But since you invited me as part of it, I'll do the work for you. See, God, God showed up and did that thing in the spirit of God, and God's nudging them going, tomorrow I'm going to do this thing. Hey, don't run out there and fight. Put your sword away. All this other stuff. God was working in ways that they could not do it. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. It's a cool place. You shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. With you, of Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. What amazing confidence. Saying, hey man, God's got this all worked out. God's going to do this. He said, well, I thought this was a, a, a thing about worship. You said this was a message about praise, about the power of our praise and what God did. You see, the problem is we start with the wrong stuff. We start with musicians and choirs and words and music and songs and notes when it should start with God. Our worship doesn't start when we say stand and sing. Our worship should start on our knees when we're back home. In our car when we're praying on our way to church. It should start on Saturday when we're fasting and praying for God to show up. It should start on Friday when we're at work and reporting people to Jesus Christ. That's when it starts, when our eyes are fixed on God and our hearts are fixed on God. And people start to pray and worship God. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Now, now they're ready for battle. See, God showed up. And when God shows up in your life, it begins to creep from your heart to your lips. I, 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 when, it, when we stand up to sing about our God, I should, I should have to walk around and say, hey guys, calm down a little bit. <laughs> hey guys, all right, we're getting out of hand over here. We're singing about a risen Savior, okay? We're just going to heaven for eternity. Hey, guys, we need to straighten up over here. All right? We're not talking about football right now. We're talking about Jesus. And it should, the place should come unglued. It should be where we're singing our guts out. We're, we're yelling from our hearts. Man, our God is awesome. Our God lives. Our God is this. Our God. It should come out of our lips. No worship leader should ever stand on this stage and go, come on, let's sing out now. We serve a risen Savior. He's in there. See, I told you I couldn't sing. <laughs> We're sitting there mumbling through it. I, I, I've come in on service before shaking hands, and, I, and I, I have to get halfway through the thing before I can find some people singing. And I'm thinking, where is God going to be if God's people don't praise his name? Why would he want to be here? We don't act like we want him to be here. 
Why would anybody want what we got if we are not excited about what we already have? Now they go in the battle. You guys ready for this? This is a totally different kind of battle that you've ever seen in your life. Verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went forth, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Man, he's just like a pep rally guy. This guy's standing off the side. He goes, believe in God. He's awesome. Believe in God. He's real. Believe in our Savior. He's risen. Man, and they're all getting worked up and excited. But then they thought, man, we've got, we've got to go into this battle. God said he's going to fight for us. How does that happen? When they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. What? Can you imagine assembling all these guys, putting their armor on, their swords, and they've got their shields and stuff like that, and say, all right, we're getting ready to go into war. Can I have the choir? Can the choir, not literally right now, but can the choir, would you guys mind stepping up? Sure, sure. Did you want us to sing them a song before they go in the battle? Ah, not exactly. Um, You guys need to get to the front of the line. (laughs) You mean you want us in front of the guys with all the swords and all that to face the guys with all the swords and that? Yes, that's exactly where you need to be. Where does God dwell? In the inhabitants of his saints. They were like, God showed up in this thing. Hey, you guys that are praising God, go to the front because that's where God, we want God, right smack in the front of our battle. We invite God in. God comes up here, and here's, here's the last point we're done. God disrupts our enemies through our praise. God disrupts our enemies through our praise. Read, read verse 22, the last part. And the Lord set ambushments against the children of Amnon, Moab, and Seir which were come against Judah and were smitten. This is why, verse 23, for the children of Amnon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. Here they are. They're, they're praising God, shouting the victory for what God is doing. God runs before them, stirs them all up. They start fighting each other. The children of Israel are never make it to war. And they stand and they come back and they go, they're all dead. And the children of Israel went, woohoo! We won! We didn't do anything. How did they win? They did what God commanded them to. They put God first. You know why we live defeated lives? Because we don't put our attention on the one that can make the difference. Their weapon of warfare was praising God. Let me ask you, how will the world know that we serve a risen Savior? How will the people come in here know that God is bigger than our problems? How will they know that no matter how far they've gone, that nothing can stop the love of God? When God's people, one by one, begin to shine the light that is in us. To proclaim the word of God. To stand up and rejoice in his goodness and his favor to us. So many passages in the Bible that teaches us to do this. So this is what I want to do. I I, I thought about this. 
what if we went to war with an army of worshipers? I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, God gives us this, and God says over and over again, and I'm, gonna, I'm about to, all I'm about to do is I'm going to just start reading the Bible, okay? I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to prove a point that God fights for us through the praise of his people. God commands us to exalt his name to do it through the people. You, you guys play, that, that you guys that play instruments, you're more than musicians. Those that name the name of God and, and stand before us as leaders, we are, we are naming the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that when we name the name of Jesus, that the Satan and the devils tremble and run in fear. And next week, one by one, we're going to have hundreds of guests that come into this church. And one by one, Satan's going to be riding on their shoulder going, you're not going to listen to a word we have to say here today. Here he is, that preacher talking about forgiveness. He doesn't know the life you've lived. And one by one, Satan's going to come in and says, yeah, they don't know what you did last night. They don't know about your addiction. They don't know about your past. They don't know about your problems. They don't know about your cussing. They probably don't even want you here today. And Satan begins to work on them. Then this was what happens. We stand up and we start naming the name of Jesus Christ. You know what Satan hates more than anything? He hates the name of our God. That's why he uses it a cuss word in all the movies that Hollywood loves to put out. He loves to put down the name of Christ. But not for us. We come up when we exalt the name of Christ. You know what the Bible says about Satan when he gets around people praising God and we're naming the, Jesus, the name of Christ? The Bible says he has to go. When we praise the name of Jesus, we kick the devil out of the church. And I believe a lot of times the reason why Satan hangs through the whole service of the church because people of God never stop to stand up and declare war to kick him out. So this is what we do. What would it look like if we were to do this? And the Bible talks about bringing together instruments. In Psalms verse 33, verse 3. Sing unto him a new song and play skillfully with a loud noise. The Bible says in Psalm 150, verse 3. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and harp. Praise him with timbrel and with dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon loud sounding cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. You know, praise is not just about instruments, but the Bible takes it further than that. And the Bible talks about having choir. In 2 Chronicles 2.21, the Bible says, When he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. In Psalm 108 verse 1, oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing praise to give praise even with my glory. Psalm 108 verse 3, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Psalm 135 verse 3, Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. The Bible takes this further. God assembled these singers to sing with him. In 1 Chronicles 15, 16, And David spake to the chief of the Levites who appoint their brethren to be singers with the instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals and sounding by lifting up their voice with joy. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers had gone out, 
to make a sound to be heard of praising and thanksgiving that they lifted up their voices with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud in the house of the Lord so the priest could not stand ministered by reason of the cloud for the glory of God had filled the house of God and the Bible describes a man a leader 1 Chronicles 15.22 and Kenanah, chief of the Levites was for a song and he instructed about the song because he was skillful but that's not where it ends church the Bible goes on and says one, Psalm 107 verse 31 oh that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works for the children of men let them also exalt the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders <laughs> 